Uh, okay, well, I've hinted at a couple, but one thing is really important is, you know, pray that you don't have early success. Mm. I know this is really difficult advice, but if you're if you're finding it hard and you stick, you're more likely to succeed than if and if it comes really easy to start with. This is episode number thirteen with no other than the hilarious HG Nelson from Roy and HG. Today I'm thrilled to have one of the all-time great Australian comedians, broadcasters, and TV presenters on the show, Greg Pickhaver, or better known as HG Nelson. This man has had an incredible career that began when he shared a chance meeting with his partner in crime that has since brought about a stunning 35-year partnership. I talk about no other than the rampaging Roy Slavin and HG Nelson, or Roy and HG. HG, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks very much, Chris. Tremendous to be here, and uh, what a day, what a day. We have this whole uh, end of the rugby league season now finally cracked, boxed and buried. We've got this cricket uh, season to look forward to. I understand cricket has already escaped the bubble. We're not sure whether we're going to be able to field an 11, but uh, yes. let's face it, you and I are available, aren't we? We are. We're, we're both available, uh, HG, and it's a thrill to actually step in for Roy today as well. It is. <laughs> and I've got to say, as you look as though you might have an over or two left in you, I'm not sure about me. but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we've got a couple of overs left in. <laughs> I, I can see you steaming in on that box day test from the punt road end by very good friend. The, the curly locks going all in the, in the wind in all directions. Uh, HG, how did it all start for you, mate? Well, I've um, got to be honest here is that I am not a very good sporting uh, practitioner as of any code. In fact, I, I, I've got to be honest even more that I can't think of a code I'm any good at. So this meant the lofty climb to the commentating box was about the, all that was left to me. Um, I can remember being a wicketkeeper at school and being very disappointed, or, you know, uh, maybe university as well, being very disappointed by the umpire's decisions, meaning I thought there was a lot of snicks that I got that the umpire didn't see my way. <laughs> and he didn't see it come and, through. That's right. And, I, and again, to a person who was looking for encouragement, I couldn't get anything from the umpires, and so I quickly drifted away from cricket. And, of course, cricket required a certain discipline about the weekend in summer, which I wasn't prepared to give. I wasn't prepared to give up all that time to, you know, just be, you know, denied yet again by an umpire who wouldn't know, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I drifted away from cricket. Uh, surfing was always a standby because that was uh, something you could do more or less by yourself. Didn't need anybody else to go with. You just needed a car. And I grew up in South Australia. We could get a driver's licence just all up at 16. So that was great. Yeah. Um, and uh, now then... Um, Really always interested in commentating, but without really, like a lot of kids uh, growing up often have a long suit, which they don't realise that they've got an advantage or a, an ability at until much later in life. Uh, in my case, it took me till I was about 40 to realise that what I was interested in was parodying sports commentary. Right. Yeah, well, I'm 35, so still a chance yeah, for that's me. Right. <laughs> that's right. You've got to get it done by 40. Yeah, I've got five years. Yeah, five years. <laughs> and, HG, the connection between you and Roy, you guys have been together for 35 years. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Well, the, the remember, of course, is that the... Uh, this is really difficult to explain, but Roy is very good at solving problems. 
so we have a problem. We need, a, you know, obviously a show opener. So somebody has to write that. So in the past, he was always very good at contributing. I've learned how to do it from him sort of thing. So I've been doing it a lot lately. Then we get what we call runners in the show. This is on the radio or production bits on the radio. So we write all those and then we just hope that uh, there's going to be something stupid happen. And believe you me, there's always something stupid happening. Look at this week. The stupidity of this week. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so and then it's relatively easy from there. Uh, I ask the questions as, um, you know, the ball-by-ball commentator. If you're setting these up, uh, this is what you've got to remember and play what I call the action of the ball-by-ball commentator or the person who calls up until the goal scored. Roy's the expert commentator, so he watches and comments in the manner of the classic setup, of course, is, um, you know, let's say BT on Channel 7 <laughs> with Lingy on the boundary, etc. Uh, that sort of setup. Or now, of course, they've confused it completely because because they're not they're, they're actually trying to call off the television set. So it's got very confused about what BT's doing, what Bruce McAvaney's doing, etc. Except for in Bruce's case, all he knows is to say "Good call, BT," and then away we go again. But it's got to do with these patterns of broadcasting, and the patterns of broadcasting are important. So as the audience knows how to follow the show that you're putting together or the coverage of the event. Absolutely. So would you say that's been part of your key as a duo sustained success over such a long period? Yeah, this is extremely difficult to explain, but in comedy, that playing actions is the key to making it funny. The harder you play the actions, the funnier it is. So it doesn't matter what the action is, you can... Uh, unpick programs at your leisure and work out what the action that this character's playing, you know, go to Seinfeld and have a look, they're very structured up on this same idea. But in the Roy and HG, why the comedy works, not only the stupidity of sport, but it's because when you listen to it, you understand the archetypal sporting coverage, which is one person does this and the other person does that. If the other person wants to intrude on the space of the one person, <laughs> you forget that and you go back to what you know. Yes. In other words, Roy asking HG question will never work. Doesn't work, no. no he hasn't got a hope no. because the role is he's the expert commentator. Yes. If I'm, I'm not the expert commentator, I refuse to play that part because the ass falls out of the show. Yes, you're in the driver's seat. Yeah, that's right. I'm the MC. I, I, you know, there's lots of acts that would follow this same thing. You know, rapping acts and all that sort of stuff. They yeah. follow these same rules. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Shay, you've interviewed some big names and personalities over the years: Johnny yes. Farnham, Bob Hawke, Paul Keating. Yes, even Mike Myers from Austin Powers. Yes, Mike Myers. He was very entertaining. He, he, he ma- alerted me to the idea that blokes make better war noises than women. It's the <laughs> only thing blokes have an advantage at. You know that. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. It, it, has there been a standout for you? Hey, oh, there's, there's, they're, they're all really interesting. And um, the difficulty is, is that we've made hundreds of shows, obviously, for the television. Um, and um, what happens is you have to accept that, that getting somebody to turn up on Saturday night to talk to two idiots is not the easiest job in the world. Thank <laughs> goodness I don't have to do it. That's the producer's job or the production crew's job. So what happens there is you have to accept that the person coming out to talk to you next is the most interesting person on the planet. Never mind who it is, yep. because that's what the uh, production company or the production crew were able to get together on that particular occasion. So that's one of the th- tricks is that whoever it is is the most interesting person. And what's really weird is the people you often have not much expectation of turn out to be the best because you you know, your, your expectation is lower. A low, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So when you get, I mean, you get lucky sometimes, you know, with Mike Myers, uh, because he's used to doing this, and so you, your expectation's high, so it's not such a surprise. Hey, Steve, mm. you 
Roy and HG have had success across all platforms. Mm-hmm. So 22 years on Triple J Radio, mm-hmm. Triple M Radio, The Sporting Probe, mm-hmm. The Club Buggery on television, yes. which was... That's 126 real, episodes. 126 that. episodes. Yeah. Well, it changed its name a few times, but 126 on, on a, either a Friday or Saturday night hour of television. Yeah, well, the ABC, obviously. Yeah. And then perhaps where Australia as a nation really got to know you well was at Sydney 2000 yeah, Olympic Sydney 2000. Games yeah. on the program The Dream, yeah, the which dream. is coincidence that this podcast is actually called Dreams Into Success. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, homage, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Incidental homage. <laughs> Absolutely. How was the experience of the Games? Did, did you feel as though that propelled you as a, as a duo like further? Or? Um, okay, <clears throat> The, uh, there's a sort of backstory to this, which is um, out of the blue, we're becalmed at the ABC, meaning that I can't think of, well, me and Roy can't think of the next thing to do. Right. And out of the blue, Seven ring up and say, would you come and make a program in the Olympics? And I looked at the phone and thought, you've got to be joking. I mean, how would this work? How could <laughs> this possibly work? And they said, oh, we'd like two hours a night every night of the Olympics. And I thought, ooh, that's a fair call, meaning you're making 30 hours of television in a fortnight. Yep. Um, and I said to them, well, look, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get two buffets bagging everything. And they said, yeah. And I said, if you still want that, ring us back in two weeks. And the reason why I did that was I didn't want to go over there to seven and have them say no you can't do that you've got to do this or you you know do you know what I mean we wanted to go on our own terms exactly so that's the trick if anybody else is in this situation the other thing is the Olympics lines up a a lot of dominoes which will never be lined up again in my lifetime maybe in your lifetime but in my lifetime the idea that Sydney would spend all this money uh, get everybody in the world to come here at the end of a, a of a century you had it loaded up with so much significance and allowed two idiots, you know, two hours of time a night. So it's these things are very, you know, hard to line up. Yes. The great thing was was that when you come to work on these things is that solutions, solving problems is what you look at all the time. You've got two hours to fill and you have to solve a lot of problems every day. And you guys solved a lot of problems, That's didn't you? That's right. So you have you say, well, gymnastics, They want, the seven wanted us to do some – that was about the only must-take we had was, sol- you know, gymnastics. And we looked at each other and said, it's impossible to call. You don't know the terms. You don't know the <laughs> the, the scoring system is incredibly difficult to understand. Yes. Except if you're Russian, you vote for the Russian. This is a simple idea. <laughs> Australian vote for the Australian. That's pretty simple. Well, you mentioned the gymnastics, the crazy date, yes. the battered sav. The spinning date. Yes, oh, the spinning it. date, yeah. yes. Honey, I'm home. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. The nicknames and descriptions, well, HG, where, where'd they come from? How? Okay, it was a simple, uh, a simple idea that we were told, we're not sure whether it's true or not, that often the... Uh, Name of the term is the name of the person who first introduced it into the competition. So do you understand what I mean? So obviously a somersault was there long before they had, you know, the Olympic uh, gymnastics or world gymnastics competitions they do today. But often the the triple axle or whatever it is is named after the person who first did it in competition. Right. So we thought if they're all made up like that, why don't we reinvent the whole pattern of the terms now and we thought we won't be able to sustain this because there's too many things and if you look at the the i mean we did a lot of gymnastics because it became a sort of signature thing but if you look at the start is we can't keep up with the speed at which the competition's going 
because we can't invent the terms quickly enough. Yes. So gradually, what happens by the end is we can call every, manu- every manoeuvre, which is a flat bag, a hello boys, <laughs> you know, honey, I'm home, and on and on it goes. Yeah. So that was the thing is, and the solution to the problem was the language. And we'd always, um, we'd always felt like in the rugby league call, the nicknames, the uh, use of the terms and stuff in rugby league gave us a big help, and we called a lot of rugby league, obviously. You did, didn't you? So, and they, so, the back door, I think, was one. No, the door. There's hundreds of nicknames. In fact, we made a foolish mistake by letting one of the papers in on all the nicknames, and you can go on websites and find them all there, um, all the nicknames. And then we thought, oh, why did we do that? That was such a stupid idea, because then the papers got this way of unravelling the nicknames. Right. And that was the only power we had, really, yes. except obviously fun calling rugby league. Uh, but then we thought, oh, bugger, we'll invent an, all new nicknames. So we yeah. chunked all those <laughs> nicknames and started again. So there's, there was that, <clears throat> that sort of approach to it. The other thing was when we – so solving solutions is enormous fun, as you're discovering making these podcasts. Yes. Um, then we came to – the next bit was uh, big things like synchronised swimming. How would we cover the synchronised swimming? So what happens there is is so much of the action is hidden away and it's just a dopey sort of sport and I'm even <laughs> sort of in the camp of maybe it's not a sport. Anyway, we realised after a while that if it's, a, if it's swimming, synchronised swimming, and it's a sort of dance, then it, obviously it tells a story. And so we go to the extreme of that. So the, the classic ones were the Australians um, did, um, we retold the building of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The Harbour Bridge. Bridge, yes. And the Russians, of course, performed the Russian Revolution in dance, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. So what happened was that you'd solve, try and solve as many solutions like that. So you go into it knowing that, um, okay, that's the solution. But then the, re- the harsh reality is you come to work at, say, uh, well, we started working on those days about nine o'clock with the idea of getting to work at four and then trying to put down, you know, a version of, of a call of the gymnastics using these terms mm. and have it all ready and, you know, suitably presentable by whenever you have to go on air. Yeah. Now, a lot of times that got really close to the wire, so we were running into the studios. Bruce was on beforehand and mercifully Bruce always went overtime. So we're running into the studio putting on our clothes at the same time as they're finishing off the bits of the gymnastics or the swimming. This is production people right. finishing those things off. So you're trying to solve all these solutions so you don't get much time to reflect on it. No. This is coming to your question. So we were obliviously – well unaware of how this was really being received. That's going to be part of my next question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what happened is that you work and that this is a really odd thing to say is that you, okay, we get up in the morning at nine o'clock and then we work all the way, go to work at four o'clock to the International Broadcast Centre and then we're not on till 11 o'clock. But when 11 o'clock comes, the great thing happens is Everybody else stops asking you questions. Everybody else stops making you want to do things. Everybody else stops, you know, telling you what to do. And you get two hours a day, which is only about me and Roy. Yes. Because we're the ones in charge. Now you all fuck off, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And so this was a great moment of realisation was that how this would work would be that we get at the end to be in the driver's seat. Now, I've got to be honest here is we were aided by a terrific first uh, assistant who could literally change what we were doing in the ad break. Right. And we were confident enough to accept that they would, you know, oh, we haven't got that ready, you'll have to go to the discussion about water polo. So right. 
we had enough stuff on the desk and things like that that we could always pull up, pull up. to yeah. try and cover that bit. Yeah. Um, mercifully, as often the way with sports commentators, when the sport's off, there's so much more to say. Yes. So cricket commentators are never stuck for anything to say during a rain break because yeah. that's when they that's when they come alive. Exactly. That's when they live. Yeah. What they live for. Yeah. So. Um, you know, 14 days go by and um, we get to the end of it and um, I'm completely unaware, really, of how this has been received. How it's been received. Yeah, yeah, because it's not as though you can do two things at once. You make the show, yep. you do the show, and then you stop, you get up and do it again. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards what happened is the main thing was people realised for the first time what I did for a living. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that... And then you, we work in show business which revolves around hits... So what happens is, um, you know, you could never expect those situations to occur again. Yeah. People, never mind how disappointed people are with the work after the Olympics, is go figure, you'll never be able to do it again. Yeah, exactly mm. right, exactly right. Part of that Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, HG, um, and we all know the official um, you know, mascots. Yes, mascots. So we've got Sid, the uh, the platypus. Yes. Ollie, the kookaburra. Yeah. And Millie, the echidna. Yeah, gee, you've done well. But, uh, yeah. yeah. A lot <laughs> of research there. A little bit of research there. <laughs> but perhaps the most iconic and yeah. the unofficial. Yes, unofficial uh, mascot. Fatso, the wombat. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Roy and HG. Yeah. Now, Fatso seemed to be everywhere during that games. He was. Um, well, the Fatso, um, we ha- well, remember, of course, is I often say is, um, you know, commentate on things that give you the shits. You know, so the musket mascots and, and make fun of things that give you the shits. You can't go wrong. Uh, so what happens is we always hated Olympic mascots. They always felt to me as though at 11 o'clock at night, just before the games got underway, the committee sat around, we haven't got a mascot, what's it going to be? That'll do, I want to go home. Yeah. That sort of thing. So there was a lot of that attached to mascots and we didn't think any of them really worked. None of them spoke to me really of the area that they came from. That was one thing. So when um, – and I've got to be honest here. I was a bit standoffish about how much we could get out of Fatso. I had no idea that you'd be able to use it in the way that you did, ranging from appearing on the victory dais to the uh, bomb-off and yeah. mascot bomb-off, which is a fantastic bit of television. <laughs> and and the whole idea of it, which, which really overwhelmed because, let's face it, I mean – uh, me and Roy really don't think the world thinks like us, but all of a sudden the world did think like us in, in, in this matter. Yes. And so the idea that what Fatso had been up to that day we became a seg in the show, a segment in the show. And, um, again, um, we, we've got to thank the athletes and the people who made all that happen because it wasn't, we, weren't, we didn't have time to do that. No, no. So uh, it ha- the Fatso had a life of its own. If you're, ever in, if you're ever in this opportunity, the key thing to make in that bomb-off work is to get the key commentators to call it. So as you have the gravitas of Drew Morford, who's sadly no longer with us, mm. and Stephen Foley, who's the expert commentator. Drew, Drew calls the drop and Stephen said, comments on the dropout. Pathetic they were. Anyway, the next <laughs> thing is do it with the equipment they use. So all those shots of the of the mascots falling are exactly the shot that you see when the diver dives, when right. the when the synchro diver or whatever it is dives. So <laughs> yeah. that camera is literally free falling with the diver at the same time, predictably enough, because gravity 
uh, moves the objects at yes. the same speed. So all of that worked incredibly well. But so what you need to do is not only get the voice, but get the technology exactly the same. And then it has its own has its own life because people then again know what they're looking at and know how it's going to turn out. So the AOC were always big on Sid Ollie and Dickhead, but they didn't give Fatso anything. <laughs> I know. I think Fatso was the key, wasn't he? In he the was. end, after watching yeah. that war in HG. Um, so I think you've already answered this for me, HG, but was there, it seems like you know, there was a lot of preparation that went into those two hours during the games. Was there anything off the cuff at all or type of work? Or was oh, it no. It's, uh, this is hard to explain, but because it look because from a viewing point of mm. view, it looks like you two were just so natural, which you are. But like, could could have come off the cuff, but you know. Okay, this is hard to explain, and I'm not sure that I can actually do this justice. There's preparation, which, as you get better at doing this, or you know, you probably got it already, which you sort of forget when you come to do it. Mm. So, it's, you know, the background there is you, you've got all these things going on. So you've got, uh, the, you've got an element like, uh, you know, we always started with a bit where we knew we are going, but we didn't know what we'd say. So it's hard to remember this. Every day was named after a famous Olympian, except you'd never heard of these famous <laughs> Olympians. And so Roy had spoken to such and such only last week and relayed how they were getting on and their injuries and right. so on, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, Kegs Ruzlikov, let's say that's a name, or that, you know, he was a Russian... Uh, um, Ersbergler might have been the Russian name, you know, uh, Greco-Roman wrestler. Anyway, it was Ersbergler Day, and this was followed by the flower of the day because we wanted to introduce uh, Australian fauna to the world. Uh, then followed by Dish of the Day, which was some hideous confection that the kitchen out the back had made up for us to be part of the show. <laughs> so the first bit of the show, you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't know how it would happen. You knew that these items would be presented. Mm. Then there was um, obviously um, guests, uh, uh, stuff we'd called, and then the stuff that really did come off the top of the head was the idea that somehow we looked at the back pages that day and were able, or, you know, the, the scores of that day and were able to interpret these things. Yes. As we got into the day, uh, meaning the coverage of the day, was we also knew that at the end there was going to be one of those songs like Go You Good Thing or, you know, the, there was there was a lot of those. And so yep. we played out a film clip to end the show. Yes. And then um, the other thing that came at the end was a study of medal tallies. So sometimes it was how well New Zealand was going, which was obviously <laughs> shit house. And, or it was always Australia. And as you may remember, in the Sydney Games, Australia won a lot of silver. So there was a lot of studies in silver <laughs> and stuff like this, which made us look as though they were on top of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So that, And so even though we're making 30 hours, there's a lot of what I'd call preparation goes into it. Mm. But the preparation isn't. The show. No. The preparation informs the show. Yes. So as then we come to your uh, comment, which how much is made up. Recently I got into trouble with this because I was sort of trying to describe this and I realised I didn't do it very well in terms of the, the preparation required all day to make the show is only two hours plus mm. minus the ad breaks. So what happens is is that the, the you got into a routine. This is the same with the shows now where you – could be, you know, you could say, well, we need to... Uh, what I get caught out is when people ask, oh, you made the show yesterday, how long did it take? I said, oh, we were only on air for two hours. That doesn't answer the question for them. It's no. how long did you 
spend beforehand? Yes. Very difficult question to answer, but yeah. I hope I've given you an idea of how that falls out. No, absolutely, HJ. Would you, looking back on your career, would you, would you change anything? Not just talking about the games, but your entirety of your career. Would you change anything at all? Okay, this is... Uh, uh, I work in something called show business, and so there's, um, you know, it's got two elements. Without the show, the, the, without the business, there's no show. Mm. So you've got to understand that that's what you're involved in, you, you know, and you've got to look at the forces arranged against you that prevent you from doing things and not to be too, um, you know, desperate to do something because you can see what's in the road of you that prevents you from doing it. Yes. And what am I telling a footballer this for? <laughs> um, that plenty of people today would be disappointed with the, the way that the year's gone and that the, their, their value is lost because the team's value is lost, etc. It's things like this. Yeah. So you've got to be mindful of all these things. So uh, when it comes to answer this question in more detail, is I, there, I was quickly worked out early on that... It, a big problem was having regrets and wishing you did something different. Mm. Uh, you Over a long period of time, the bus comes along and people ask you to get on. They want you to make an Olympic show. Okay, we, that's right up the front of the bus. We'll sit there and do that. Sadly, that comes to an end. There's the stop. You get off. You, know. you wait for the next bus to come along. The next bus sometimes takes a long time to come along and it's the wrong bus. So you get on that for a while and you realise, well, this hasn't worked out terribly well, so you decide to get off yourself and sit out a bit. Yeah. Stuff like that. So these are hard lessons to learn mm. because the only way you can do it is by doing it. Yeah. It's like lots of things, you know, the, lots of other jobs are the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, you probably talk to plumbers and they'd give you the same answer. Oh, we patched in the thing the wrong way round and then we had to go back and fix it up because all the sewerage had come up through the floor, you yeah. know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so uh, that is true that – and regrets, you know, you, you can carry a lot of regrets and I can't think of what I'd do differently because mm. – Really, there's no opportunity. No, no. You, you know, you just so you have to have a philosophical view that allows you to be in the uh, circumstances of the moment and and the decisions you've made. Um, you know, people say, "Well, why didn't you market Fatso?" And I can tell you why we didn't market Fatso. We we, we understood enough about show business to realise we're not business people, and marketing Fatso is a key job for somebody who understands how to do that. We don't. Yeah, yeah. So you leave it alone. What a great message, um, HJ, because that, that that probably goes to life as well. I love that analogy of jumping on the bus and jumping off because clearly taking risks that yeah. were unknown. Yeah. But did pay off. Yeah. Well, you see that we're living in COVID times, and one of the things that you see is that COVID is changing everything. It's just that it's just that you know how people work, what their expectations of work is, how long can we work, where we work, what we do after work, what we do. It's changing everything, mm. and so the the buses are zooming around all over the place at the moment, and people will make mistakes by getting on buses, they've just got to be confident when they get off the bus, another one will come along. Yes. Hence your problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully this is my solution. That's what we talk about, HG. Well, has, has there been a, a highlight of the entire career so far? Um, well, I always say that uh, when people ask this sort of question, is, is and I don't know the answer quite to this because I'm always looking for the next bank next, to rob. Oh. Um, my... my and remember, of course, is that inside it, it changes. This is really hard. Changes all the time. So as you, we don't tell jokes, that's a big thing. So that, so we're not burdened by that. We don't have to tell the joke about the fat cat and the dog. Every we never told a joke about the fat cat and the dog, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no point where it stays still. There's no point where it sort of got to a point where I thought, oh, that's it. 
what happens always though, looking on to the next one yeah, yeah always on to the next one and always you, you sort of keep quiet about the next one until it's done yes. until the deal's done too many people talk about the deal that might be done forget that mm. wait till it's done there are times though um and i have sat in the audience at shows and this has got to do with not areas of work that i work in but i will go out and watch events or uh, you know, performances, and I think that's it, enough. You can do it way better than me. I can get off this merry-go-round forever now. But that lasts about 20 minutes. Yes. Um, so it's when you see other people doing the work, that should inspire you not to think that you don't have something to offer, but to think, leave what they're doing alone because they're doing it way better than you. Now, that's a trap for the younger players coming through. Yeah. You know, you all think you can, you know, pick a show. You or Everybody thinks they can be in Les Mis or Hamilton or whatever it is. You can't. Mm. You just can't. They're good at it. You leave that alone and find something else that you can do, which is Roy and HG. Yeah. So wow. what happens is, is that people get caught up in the idea of, and I always bag role models here, the role model is useful but only to inspire you to be yourself, not to be them. So when you see oh, rugby league players, the same thing, oh, you know, role models, don't do that. Be yourself, play rugby league, sure, but don't do, be like somebody else because yeah. they've already done it and you can't do it nearly as well as they can because no. they thought it up. And no one else is going to be as good as who you are Correct. as a person. Correct. Absolutely no. right. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. Great yeah. message, great message. So, hey, Shay, what do you want your legacy to be? Like, what, well, what, do you, what do you want to be remembered for? I don't. You I don't. don't. This is the thing: is I don't <laughs> want people to be, be remembered. When I was young, um, you know, I went to the the great thing about being young was my parents would take me to see was mum especially would take me to see all these shows, and um, so what I'd do is I'd look at them and think I want to do that, but I don't want to do what they're doing. I want to do something different. I want to do that, but I don't want to do this. So that was the thing that was, you know, that was the thing that I took away from yep. all this. So I don't want anybody to listen to this or to watch what we do and thinking oh, I want to do that. You don't. Mm. You might think you do, but you don't. No. You want to do what you want to do. Yeah. You think that if if there was a legacy, it was to be yourself, to try and take whatever skill and and whatever ambition you have and wait for, if you're stuck, wait for the world to turn because it'll turn all the time and in five minutes time you'll get a go. Keep working hard at what you want. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that's right. Don't get swayed by the easy option. Make no. it hard for yourself and see how well you want to stick at something that's hard. Mm. It's easy to stick at the easy things. Yeah. Wow, I love that message, HG. So to, to I suppose, dial it back to the less serious side of things. Yes. Um, how, how does it sit in your career? We've been talking about your career. Sitting here being a part of the, uh, the Dreams Into Success podcast. Well, it's just been a dream come true, honestly. I've thought about this moment for years, you know. I, I had hoped, I didn't know what, that podcasting would ever happen. But I thought, just sitting in my lounge room with, a, with a, other buffheads talking about things that don't matter, I thought, wow, that's the future. <laughs> you saw a buffhead down at the cafe down that's the road. That's right, that's right. Well, we've got to mention Tucker and Michael at Tucker. If you want a free coffee, for God's sake, go and pester Michael. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tucker, be hard up getting a free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. Um, and um, he's a very big Swan supporter, and I think that's how this came about. That, really. that is how yeah. it came about, HG. Yeah, well, his yeah. connections, are, it's all about connections. <laughs> exactly right. And he's opened up his heart to the Swans in, you know, good times and bad, and even though he, he 
bail you up endlessly about talking um, about umpiring decisions, forget it. Just have the coffee and leave. I'm not sure he would have been a player though, uh, HG. Looking at looking at Mikey, maybe the, the look. He's quite small. Maybe a, the water boy of the side. Yeah. Well, you remember, of course. Uh, you know, he may not have had the ambitions to play at the highest level. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's in the seconds. Yeah. I he's, well, and in the past, there were even less. I know they've killed it all off now, uh, but there were other competitions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, she. Final couple of questions. Yes. Really, really appreciate your time. Yes, that's all right. Three life lessons mm-hmm. or pieces of advice you'd pass on to those wanting to chase well, their dreams. Or uh, uh, okay, well, I've hinted at a couple, but one thing is really important: is you know, pray that you don't have early success. Mm. I know this is really difficult advice, but if you're if you're finding it hard and you stick you're more likely to succeed than if and if it comes really easy to start with. Yeah. Easy things you just don't yeah. want to deal with. Mm. You know, easy, the easier it is, the harder it is to sustain it. Yeah. Good so sense. what happens is, um, uh, I mean, eventually you do need, you can bang your head against the wall and not really feel as though you're getting anywhere, but you, then you have to have confidence that what you have to offer is is somehow finding an audience. And this is really hard. The, I always quote this example of, this is a bit old-fashioned, but there used to be a band called The Cure, Robert Smith and The Cure, very famous sort of weird band. And they dressed, they in, invented, maybe wrong, but their fashion was goth, you know, right. gothic style. They had black hair, black clothes, sometimes purple hair, purple clothes. And I'm sitting on the train one night going from uh, King's Cross Station round to Central to get on the train to go out of Sydney for the weekend. And I'm just caught by these two goth girls in front of us who were talking about uh, something. And I realised after a while they were talking about Roy and HG on the radio. And I thought, if you can persuade the goths, you know, meaning they're not – people who necessarily, I'm not knocking them, but they're no. not people who you'd think are an archetypical audience. Normal yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah, normal audience. And they're talking about it and remembering, and then they'd laugh at something that was we said. And I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's weird. That's <laughs> extremely weird. But that's what you've got to find. That's how you find the confidence. Mm. It's not by people patting you on the back. It's by people, you know, um, you know yes. taking it and using it as part of their conversation, as mm. part of their response to something. One of the biggest compliments. Exactly. Oh, yeah, without doubt, without doubt. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I often say if you get into broadcasting, imagine you're talking to somebody you just vaguely know. Mm. If you can persuade them to listen, you're going okay. You're going okay. Yeah. yeah. And, but the main thing is to overhear what people say about what you do, not to ask them, mm. you know. So that's a really important thing. And the other thing was was the hardness of it. If you, if you don't – if you don't – I mean, um, I'm sure that um, – you know, the world doesn't need more people doing what you can see around you. It needs th- people thinking and doing things that you can't see around you. Mm. That's where your role comes in. Yeah. You've got to see new things, new possibilities, new ways of telling this story, mm. If to coin a cliche. It's the story of sport or the story of Australian sport, etc. Yeah. You've got to find new ways. And one big thing for us is, is, is language. Is language has always been a weapon. And the more focus you have on language, the more way you can invent it through, you know, as we've done through nicknames or inventing terms or things or whatever it is. Yes. Remember, if you're in the situation where you've got a couple of hours of radio a week, you can change the language that people talk about something. There you go. Mm. There you go. Greg, HG. Yes, sir. I just want to acknowledge you for an outstanding career. Yes. You've, had, you've made hundreds 
Thousands, millions of Australians laugh over an incredible 35 years. I hope it's the same hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Millions now. <laughs> you have left, um, mate, you've left an undeniable legacy and, and I really respect everything you've done and, and I'm again so thrilled to have you on the show. Mm-hmm. Quick question before I get to my very last one. My last name is Goodrope. Goodrope, yeah. Goodrope, G-O-O-D-R-O-P-E. yeah. Can I ask you what, what nickname you might have come up with? Uh, well, the hangman, the noose, um, you know, obviously the big drop. I mean, how many more, <laughs> <laughs> <any> more do you, <laughs> you know, the trapdoor? <laughs> I, I saw that your name was Good Rope and I thought, I wonder if that's, um, uh, have you traced it back? I think it's Irish or Scottish. Yeah, so I was going to say, one thing that happened was I remember uh, that people, uh, when times were nautical, based on travelling around, people would uh, go and demonstrate that they would be a good uh, person to crew a boat because they could tie knots on rope. So, uh, yeah, he gives good rope, (laughs) as might be a term, (laughs) hence the name. There we go. Yeah. Um, HG, where can people find Roy and HG now? Well, we're um, in a bit of a holiday mode at the moment, but we have agreed to do bludging on the blind side next year. So that's 12 to 2 on Saturdays in the rugby league season uh, on the ABC, and you can hear it all over the place. I mean, they, the ABC, replay it. They have it on their digital platforms. They stream it. They put it up as a podcast. I mean, if you miss it, you're silly. I'll put all the links in the in, in the yeah, show notes. Fantastic. Yeah. And so so then there's uh, that. Uh, all the, I'm not sure whether the podcasts are still up of this year. I think they might be. So if you want to go back and listen to the, the year of COVID, yep. uh, it's all there. That'd be fantastic. Listen, I'll certainly make sure they go in the show notes. Very, very final question, HG. What's your definition of success? Yes, well, um, I mean... It, the success is, is um, you know, that I've largely lived a life where I've been able to pay the bills um, from what I do. So we, historically, um, you know, the we started off working at Triple J, which, which wasn't a great paying job, but somehow always through the extra jobs we did or exploiting Roy and HG, uh, you know, we were able to find a way of making ends meet. Uh, that's certainly my def- Remember, of course, in show business, if you work for 30 years and you pay the bills, you've done incredibly oh, well. Yeah. So few people in Australia would have done that. And, you know, my hat's off to all those who, who are trying at that, um, especially in these t- terrible times. Um, but uh, the other thing is, is the success is to feel that you did it because it fulfilled and uh, ticked all the boxes a terrible term, but anyway, ticked all the boxes of what you set out to do. Yes. Not as though you got too compromised along the way. Mm. And, um, you know, lots of people have to make compromises, and mercifully, I haven't, and I'd rate that as the biggest part of success. Absolutely, mate. Mm. HG, mm. thanks so much again, mate. Fist pump. Fist pump. <laughs> thanks again, mate. Really That's appreciate right. it. No worries, Chris. Good luck with the surname. <laughs> HG Nelson, what a funny man. An incredible career, a great insight into the success of Roy and HG. We shared some great laughs on the show, but importantly, there were some key messages to take away too. Having no regrets, taking risks, and making the most of the opportunities. But how about this gem? If there is a legacy, it's to be yourself. It was such a pleasure to have the great man on the show. And just a reminder, guys, if you enjoyed this episode today, please share it with your friends. Tag me on Instagram and subscribe to Apple iTunes and Spotify accounts so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, you guys know what to do. Get out there, 
face those fears and live those dreams. You'll be okay.